You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome to episode 90 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and with me, my good brother and good friend, and the man who runs the DCAU Review Twitter page. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, we made it to episode 90 here. We are finishing out the month of January in the month of Batman Beyond. Yeah, so, uh, we're already a month into the new year. We've got uh, some exciting stuff on the horizon, which we can talk about at the end of the show. But yeah, before we get there, we have uh, one last interesting episode of uh, Batman Beyond uh, to chat about. Yeah, uh, so it's the return of Spellbinder. We are reviewing the second Spellbinder episode, which is entitled Hooked Up. And this is uh, was originally aired back on November 13th, 1999, just past the 20-year anniversary of that program. Um, and uh, this one, of course, the, the meaning or the title of the episode has a couple of different meanings to it. Liam, we discussed before we went on the air here that uh, this is the third episode in the Batman Beyond lore that deals with teenagers being addicted to things. Uh, so yeah. it was a pop- it was a popular trope that they went back to uh, several times. Um, I guess before we jump into our thoughts on that plot, let us get the official IMDb synopsis in your best announcer voice, please. But of course, and this is for the episode Hooked Up, as you mentioned, which was written by Bob Goodman and directed by Dan Reba. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman investigates a ring of troubled kids who are so addicted to a powerful virtual reality fantasy that they will do anything to continue it. Uh, there we go. Okay. Um, I, I, that is what happens. There's more <laughs> to it, of course, uh, as it's just a synopsis. Now, we learn very quickly in this episode that uh, Spellbinder is the villain. He's revealed probably within the first... 30 seconds which isn't okay uh you know no secret that he was back they don't really explain how he escaped uh prison (laughs) how he got out uh or how he came to obtain these four or five vr machines that are also available in every or in uh the most popular arcade in the city apparently uh does it say is he the one who designed like he's not credited with designing them not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I imagine that his are like tweaked a little from whatever the mm-hmm. the the model is that's in the arcades. But yeah, they don't they don't really specify that beyond that they're just uh, you know he does something to them that makes them more addictive than I guess your average video game. Yeah, so there is a character that we're introduced to who we've never seen before, Donnie, who is a, we learn, is a runaway who goes to Hamilton Hill High. Uh, Terry recognizes him as he's out doing patrols, and uh, we were actually introduced to him in the very first scene, and we can see that he is addicted to this machine that lets him live out his fantasy as a rock star as it were, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he's he's I doing wish like written... slam poetry, though. He's not even doing like. <laughs> he's not even singing. 
I know. Like I wish I slam poetry. The lyrics are are just absolutely amazing. Go out of your way to uh, please uh, check out his performance. Maybe we'll post it on Twitter this week. But uh, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. Uh, so we learned very quickly that Donnie is so addicted that he is willing to go out and steal for the opportunity to come back and use. Uh, the parallels here are very clear. They It's very similar to, um, I guess, similar to the splicing in, and the, the Winning Edge episode in that these kids are, it's a substitute for drugs, clearly. I mean, that's right. that's what it's about. Uh, this is a not so subtle, subtle way of, I, I think they had a mandate that they were not allowed to use drugs, discuss drugs, stuff like that on the air. So they decided they were going to do a drug addiction episode uh, by working this in. Let, let's hear your thoughts. What do you, what are your thoughts on this episode? And then I'll I'll sprinkle in my thoughts as we go. Well, yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, there's obviously a very thinly veiled addiction message here and how even sort of the good kids at school like Max can get addicted to it and um, I do think that sort of with modernized this has a little bit more punch to it than the Splicers episode or the Slappers episode did um, sure. just, because, um, just because it's very much a modern and real life problem that despite the fact that we've never had more technology or more ability to theoretically be connected to the world at large. Uh, you know, isolation is, is still a big problem. People were treating away from the real world and into a virtual world. Now it's not, you know, sent whatever they called it, sem- sensory deprivation VR or whatever, but it's, yeah, the, the digital world leads to a lot of very isolated people and, creates a lot of you know social and uh, social problems in in the world today that's so i do think there's like something that this actually i think works better with modern sensibilities to it um that being said it's it's sort of wrapped up in your average yeah your cartoon psa you know, kids stealing from their parents or whatever to get to get the next fix, and Batman kind of sternly uh, be being there to to kind of set set them right. But I I do think they had they tried to at least show that like yeah for for a lot of these people the real world isn't a fun place. It's a it's a mean and sad place, and they just want to do anything to get away from it. So. Like I said, I I think with that modern sensibility, this one does have a little more punch to it than the some of the other mm-hmm. ones that we've done on on similar topics so far. But it's still a little bit over the top and and hammy, and uh, again, maybe it's because it's you know a virtual reality machine is is uh, <laughs> is is the stand-in for it. But I, like like there's something good in there, I think, about the idea of not necessarily looking at oh video games are just as bad as heroin or something but right. they are making a point that like technology despite its all its great advantages can and can in fact lead to us being even more isolated than we than we were in previous previous years previous societies 
Yeah, I mean, it's it is interesting, and I think when you look at it, especially that this is came out in 1999, way before the advent of the, or several years before the advent of the smartphone and the the you know the Twitter and Facebook and everything revolution that happened in hand in hand with that. Um, you know, it's it's a couple of years before that. So the fact that they again that they sort of pseudo predicted that this would become an issue where people would be get would do whatever they could to use technology to escape. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think though that it was if I had to guess that they weren't writing to predict that that was going to happen more than they were just sort of substituting this for drugs because they're not allowed to talk about drugs. Right. And because because of that, I I feel like this this episode wanted to do something or say something, but it doesn't like you have, you have the characters that are addicted to this. Well, the VR machine is the drug and they go out and do whatever they have to do to get more of it, which is obviously is very well mirrored in drug addiction or alcohol addiction or any a lot of a lot of a lot of addictions Every, nothing else matters that's the only mm-hmm. thing that matters to me if you're going to do it doesn't matter you know um a, a great example is where at the end where um max has the choice to pick between terry uh saving helping terry out from from being killed by the spellbinder or getting back in the vr machine and it appears that she says, well, I'm just going to get back in the VR machine, but don't kill him. Like she doesn't even, right. she, it, it, the appearance is that she doesn't care about it, which is a perfect euphemism because ultimately uh, an addict thinks about is their, is their next fix. And that's the disease, yeah. you know, part of the disease of addiction. Um, but it doesn't really say anything because it doesn't go into what happens to these other kids that are addicted to this. They're kind of made the villains because they're addicted to it, they're out stealing things. And yeah, that's not good. Um, but it's a symptom of the addiction that they have. The one, the one girl uh, that the redhead that has this, you know, that, that gets used up to the point where she's, she's brain dead and, you know, mm. gets sent to the hospital. There's no resolution to what happens to her other than she goes into Bruce, you know, she's a throwaway line about her going to the hospital. There's no, no, uh, no talking there's, about what happened. Yeah, there's, it, there's a little exposition from the news reporter at the end about how, well, now the the doctors have seen how the machines work. They're gonna work to synth. They know better how to treat the people or something like that. It's it's like a really quick line, but you don't get any sort of direct. Uh, resolution to that or to like uh, you know the Ron or Donnie character ha- like there's a part where Terry and Max go to his home and he's very clearly in kind of this rundown abusive miserable home where his dad you know his dad tells Terry and Max he doesn't ever want to see his son again and like we don't get any sort of like there's no happy ending for most of these characters to your point right right and it, so I feel like it wants to say something and it it doesn't <laughs> you know there's it just kind of gl- glosses over it and we've had a few instances uh in some of the episodes that we've reviewed that have dealt with some of the more serious tones most of them occurring in, in batman the animated series uh and there have been ones that have have touched on 
terrible things. Like we, we, one of our, our most surprised episodes, it's never too late, which you can hear in the archives at DCAUreview.com is deals also with drugs, but it deals with the drug trafficking side of things and the, the side that, you know, that Mm -hmm. the dealers don't usually see and and that the dealer coming face to face with that, like that covers something that was real done and it's done really, really well. Um, Yeah. There have been other episodes, you know, like Dollar and the Bad episode, Jar the Underdwellers, that <laughs> dealt with like, you know, child kidnapping and like borderline child, forced child labor and didn't really, there was no sort of, or the, or the forgotten where the, you know, the homeless epidemic and there, there was no sort of happy ending or nothing that was really said were done in those episodes. So I feel like this kind of falls into one of those as well. Um, and it's interesting you, you mentioned, so like the, it, it sort of, it reminded me of, uh, having Max sort of dragged into this reminded me of the, there's a famous, uh, series of comics from the Green Lantern, Green Arrow back in the, the late or the early seventies actually, um, where, uh, Speedy Roy Roy Harper actually gets addicted to heroin, and it's a sort of a watershed yeah. moment in DC Comics and, and in comics history over overall because it's it's tackling such a serious issue, and um, you know like the the cover of, of of it has Roy shooting heroin on it like that, and th- that is a legendary series of of comics and and tackles that with such seriousness. So. Comparing, you know, thinking about that, using that as sort of a reference point to this where Max is sort of dragged into it, her resolution, and I get it's a 22 minute cartoon, the resolution to her story just seems way too easy and way too happy. She's, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to decide I'm not going to do this anymore or, or maybe like, were they sort of inferring that she knew all along that she wasn't really addicted? Like, I, I, I don't know, like that ending is so ambiguous to me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, Yeah, and to your point, even in the way that, like, there's kind of a thing, Terry's really sort of judge, I don't know if judgmental is the right word, but he's very, like, forceful and angry with her when he he finds her stealing credits from somebody's car trying to get another fix with the machine. And, and again, that, that, plays off in, in the comic when, when the Green Arrow sees Speedy using, he, beats him like yeah. it's it's a really like awful violent moment where green arrow just is so filled with rage at the idea that this could happen and that his he's not he's not thinking about uh, addiction as an illness in that moment and again it could have maybe that would have been too psa or maybe that's it's 20 years later and we maybe were a little bit uh, better at talking about addiction and talking about addiction as an illness now as a society than we were in the late nineties. But Mm -hmm. either way, I think there's like, yeah, it's, it's like, like I said, for, for some of the the good stuff that they did and some of the stuff that does work better, maybe in modern times, I think sort of the way it's just sort of, it's sort of blanketly being like, yeah, addiction's bad. And, and, but but it's not like right we don't we don't hear about say, you know Bruce Wayne paying for all of these kids to go to rehab or something we don't we don't hear there's not like a great resolution to all of it to your point and and even honestly like as as somebody you know 
there have been close loved ones in our family that have been affected by addiction. Most people can probably know people that are, have been affected by addiction. Not every story has a happy ending. So I'm not even, I'm not even saying that there had to be a happy ending for, you know, for uh, Donnie, you know, he gets to go home and his dad gives him a hug. Like, no, but the fact that the episode sort of ends on this Terry and Max walking away like, oh, well, you know, we learned and we got you got to watch out. Don't get into too much trouble next time. Like, man, like it just sort of just glosses over the fact that they're like, I much rather would have there would have been sort of just like a sucky end to the story, like and not not such a like bow put on the end of it, you know, like a harsh yeah. realization that these kids lives could be ruined going forward or there doesn't have to be a, a, a happy ending. It doesn't have to be Bruce Wayne driving away in the limousine, you know, <laughs> after giving a couple million dollars to the homeless shelter or whatever he did at the end of the forgotten. Like it's. there could can be just like there's no happy ending you know there's an episode we don't we haven't covered yet um but but in the new batman adventures with clayface and robin where that that episode ends on a real downer and it's done so so well it's like not every story ends with a happy ending and it doesn't have to but to just sort of ignore it push aside I, I don't know. Um, and we'll, I'll get to my score in just a second. But w- one other aspect of this plot that I wanted to touch on, just see, get your thoughts on. Uh, so the flip side is that the whole point of Max getting involved with this is that Max is pushing to become deep, more deep, deeply involved in the whole Batman operation. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And uh, the, I, I think that's maybe some of the more the the more I don't know fun is the right word, but Terry and Bruce's back and forth about how they're they're both kind of agreeing that they don't want her more involved, and then later when she does sort of force herself into it and does end up getting involved with the Spellbinder directly, um, Terry is really kind of blaming himself and really beating himself up and. And Bruce, I think, has a great line where he says, now you sound like Batman and tells him that, you know, he's been in that same position with his allies over the years. And uh, probably even with Terry himself in that in that case of, you know, when when someone else is suiting up to 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 try to further your mission um, and they're and they're put in harm's way, you can't help but sort of feel guilty or feel responsible for it. And uh, I, I do I do like that part of it of her her sort of wanting to be more involved and Terry sort of struggling with it. Um, and obviously that's a plot point that's that's certainly expanded upon going forward. So I, I liked that as a first step towards that that end. That was yeah, that was the one thing that I found somewhat redeemable about that for all the complaints that I had about this episode was at least we get some more depth in Max. We get. Uh, to learn a little bit about her story. She's not from the perfect family. She's from a, you know, a broken home and um, sort of over overcome some stuff in her own life. So the fact that we get to flesh out that character a little bit is, is something of a, a redemption for this story. However, um, didn't, didn't reflect too much in the scores that I gave of this episode uh, because of the issues that I had with it. And I just felt like it was trying to say something, but wasn't willing to really stand on anything to say it. I gave uh, I gave plot four out of ten. Wow. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm not too far off. I went six out of ten. I didn't have quite as big a problem with it as you. Um, but yeah, I I, I also don't uh, don't disagree. Like I said, for all the reasons we've mentioned, that felt like it could have been better. That it could have been a little stronger. Um, instead, it just sort of lightly touches on a lot of these issues and then sort of blanket throws a blanket over and says they're bad. <laughs> And, uh, and kind of moves on, yeah. But don't I, worry, Terry and Terry and Max and Bruce are okay, right? Yeah, and I I also just didn't think the ending was very strong either. Um, like Max knocks out Spellbinder, and like we said, we get a little bit of exposition from a news from the hologram news reporter, and Terry and Max sort of just walk off. But it's it didn't it just didn't feel like a, a super strong ending to that to the whole thi- thing too. Maybe a Maybe a little bit longer of a of a scene between them, sort of talking over everything or or, or something would have would have made it stronger. But it's it just sort of like, well, that's what happens. The end. <laughs> and let's never speak of it again. Exactly. Um, all right, let's move on to our next category then, Liam. Uh, let's talk about animation and visuals. Um, I thought animation and visuals were pretty strong in this episode. You had some, certainly some. F- fantasy scenarios that uh we got to see some i guess what a future rock concert would look like in theory um <laughs> with like a you know 700 foot tall podium um in a giant coliseum uh in that uh-huh. very opening scene but you also got uh so one of if not uh arguably the most toyetic of batman beyond's villains he ranks right up there with Blight. So you have visually interesting character in Spellbinder making his uh, second appearance here. Um, not as as uh, interesting of maybe scenarios as the first episode where you had zombies and giant gross bug insects and <laughs> all those other things that he brought in those those scenarios. But he gives some opportunity there for some interesting visuals you get to see the arcade some more of more of of gotham um i was pleased pleasantly surprised that this episode didn't take place more at hamilton hill high because i felt like with that shift that we talked about a couple weeks ago that might be headed in that direction for this episode uh Mm -hmm. but it didn't um what do you think of this week's episodes visuals and animation yeah i uh i agree with most what you're saying i liked I especially liked the uh, uh, like when we go to Max's apartment again. We we talked about that probably all the way back when we reviewed the pilot uh, episodes for Batman Beyond about how this this idea that they had where sort of the upper city, you know, the the subway is an elevator. So up top you have the the nice sleek looking you know futuristic city with the flying cars and the and you know all the cool cool you know cool future tech and you know down below it's it's still very much that kind of grimy uh poor looking gotham city that we that we remember from the original animated series and so i I liked seeing a little bit more of that of seeing that i guess the lower end of of gotham city um I thought that that was really cool. Some of the the background design and things in that were really good. I I liked the arcade stuff as well. The the fight scene. I like seeing Terry have to hold his own, not in the bat suit. Yeah, that um, was I like, good. I, I liked the fight sequence between him and uh, uh, some of and Donnie and some of Spellbinder's other sort of lackeys for the episode. I thought that was really 
uh, fun scene and getting to see Terry after not be able to re- rely just on his gadgets. And I also thought the uh, the scene where, where Terry as Batman is is chasing Ronnie through the through the city and Ronnie like jumps off a, a building and lands on an elevator and then falls down onto a a truck and the truck spins out of control and all that stuff and watching Batman kind of sweep and uh, you know fly through the all low to the ground having to avoid all the cars he's passing and stuff I thought they I thought they had some some pretty cool visual tricks in this episode yeah chase scenes are always good um that that scene where he's chasing chasing him like you said he jumps and he he grabs onto an elevator and then he falls and Batman has to catch him, then he's fighting Batman off, and he lands on a truck, and then the truck, he disconnects the tractor-trailer part of an 18-wheeler, and Batman has to sort of do a pull a pull a Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, before This is before Spider-Man 2 came out, obviously, yeah. but where he's uh, placed in between two objects and has to kind of pull them together. Uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think that... Actually, so we, we were speculating briefly before we came on the air another visual interesting visual is at the very end of the episode where it looks like spellbinder is going to kill batman i guess um he has his head in his hand and he's using whatever (laughs) device is in his hand and he's i guess electrocuting batman's head i i I don't know they don't really explain what he's doing but all of a sudden you see all these flashbacks through terry's vision and it's you know stuff from the pilot and splicers and um you know i i didn't catch all the actual visual clues there uh but i did notice specifically the splicers episode some of the stuff from the pilot um there's a little bit of earth mover in there mm -hmm. um you see you see some of the jokers um you see blight you see uh there's a couple shots of of his dad in there and i think a couple shots of bruce as well his other dad and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh yeah so there there is it looked like mostly just recycled clips i'm not sure if there's anything original in there but um it looked like mostly just kind of random recycled clips or i guess what would have been his memories sort of flashing before his eyes yeah, it was I I don't understand why like I don't know if it was supposed to be he you know his life was flashing for his eyes cuz he's dying or if it was just uh, if spellbinder was reading his mind or what it was. Um but we don't really get an answer and as far as I know it doesn't play into anything going forward. Uh but it was still a pretty cool visual. Uh so Definitely. Yeah, I, I I gave a gave a extra point for that. So um yeah i i think overall it's it's visually and uh animation wise it's a pretty strong episode um i gave it a eight out of ten for visuals and animation what about you yeah i'm in the same ballpark i went seven out of ten um yeah i think it's it's good i don't think there's anything super spectacular um certainly not coming off an episode we reviewed a couple weeks ago like blood sport which had such striking and interesting visuals and cool fight scenes. But this, yeah, this one still definitely had a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in it. There you go. All right, Liam, let's move on to music. And I made mental notes, which is interesting because usually Batman Beyond's music seems to all, 
No, nothing, not saying anything about the wonderful, it's good music. It's yes. always good, but we've talked about it before that a lot of times it is meant to just blend into the background and add tone or, you know, s- some subtlety to whatever you're watching and not really stand out. But there were two moments specifically that I felt the music stood out really well in this episode. Uh, the first one was when during the fight scene between Terry and the VR users in the VR room. And yeah. uh, there's this heavy, it's it's backing guitar, like some rhythm guitar, but there's uh, there's bass, and the bass is used to create the melody, which is very always very interesting and uh, stands out. And then uh, the second second they follow that scene up a couple scenes later, where as Batman uh, is he's I think he tells Bruce that he's going he wants to punch uh, Donnie in the face or beat the <laughs> beat the heck out of him or something like that beat the answer out of somebody and out of somebody's face and Bruce tells him to uh, to he could just uh, he or he could just cool his jets and track him or something like that yes. or follow him and uh, so. That scene, though, you, he follows Donnie through sort of the, you know, the rundown, beaten part of of Gotham till he gets to this this place wherever Spellbinders hideout is. And, um, you know, he he walks through these halls and he finds Donnie sort of almost overdosed or nearly comatose towards the end of um, not not quite being able to make it back to to Spellbinder all the way. And there's some really good backing music um in that scene as well but i i thought music was was really really strong in this episode because of those yeah no i would uh, i would agree with that those were definitely the two standouts but uh as uh, to your point even though there's not necessarily always the uh we've talked about that before there's not always a uh you know traditional villain theme for someone like say the spellbinder but there is uh, sort of they they always I think generally with Batman Beyond especially they're they're very good at conveying uh, the music always has a, a tendency to add to whatever it is that they're doing it it, it generally adds really well even if it's not a super standout you know musical theme that you're gonna hum to yourself or something it still does a really good job of adding to that atmosphere. Yeah, we should add that the music for this episode was done by Christopher Carter, who uh, who's generally pretty strong when it comes to the music that he adds to these episodes. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, because of that, because of those two strong uh, musical numbers, I um, I felt that was enough to carry this episode to a nine out of ten for music. What about you? Wow. Yeah, I'm a little lower than that. I went seven out of ten, but still. Still very, very good. I uh, definitely enjoyed it quite a bit. There you go. All right, William. Last but not least, let's talk about our voice actors. I know that we have several returning DCAU veterans in some <laughs> minor minor roles here. And, uh, and, of course, a couple of our main cast and normal players. Uh, who do we have uh, t- to talk about today? Yeah, so in our sort of guest minor roles, we have including just a couple, just one sort of one scene, uh, practically cameos, I guess you could call them. You do, in fact, have Michael Rosenbaum uh, <laughs> showing up yet again in Batman and Beyond. And I knew he did a bunch of, like, ancillary voices in this show, but I didn't realize, like, how frequently he popped up. Yeah. Um, 
Australia, he's in the uh, the I forget her name, the the redheaded girl's fantasy, the one who kind of has the burnout and and Spellbinder tells tells the the rest of the kids to just like dump her body somewhere. Yeah. But uh, they have a pretty funny scene uh, where he's he's like <laughs> I guess he's like he's like a manager at a McDonald's, but I guess the idea is she's like young and thinks he's like her manager is like the coolest guy and the most important guy and so he's talking <laughs> about like how he's getting promoted to being like regional supervisor or something it's <laughs> very it's very silly but it was like kind of this wacky little like 30 second non sequitur joke in in this in this episode that i enjoyed but yeah, yeah always, good. always good to hear uh hear michael rosenbaum's voice and also, of course, we had the returning John Cipher as Spellbinder, who uh, he doesn't he doesn't have a big role to play because he's just kind of there to tell the kids like get in the machine, get out of the machine. Uh, <laughs> he's he's not in it a lot because because nope. this episode tends to focus so much on on Terry and Max, so he doesn't really have a lot to do. But I mean, he's 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 good. I like I like they put some kind of a little effect on his voice. Yeah, kind of echoes a little bit that I think adds a lot to that to to his delivery of 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 what few lines he has that I, that I do like. Um, so that I maybe agree. goes more into sound design than voice acting. But wanted to mention that. And then yeah, we have uh, Jason Marsden, aka Snapper Car slash Richie Foley. Slash probably about fifty other voices, uh, <laughs> but uh, we have him as as Donnie, and uh, he's I mean he's he's a you know an old, an old pro, so playing a sort of street tough punk kid who's who's dealing with stuff. I think he I think he fit right in in this role, and as you mentioned, his uh, his his rock slam poetry is is pretty uh, ridiculously great. So. Uh, <laughs> Thought he did a good job, but yeah, our, our main cast are kind of the the ones who who get to shine the brightest today. We have Cree Summer returning as Max. We have Will Friedle as Terry, of course, and and Kevin Conroy as Bruce. I think I think the strength of it for me was probably, as it often can be, is the back and forth between uh, Will and Kevin here. The as Terry's kind of frustrating and kind of venting to to Bruce about, uh, you know, how, how could I let Max get in harm's way like this? And as we mentioned, Bruce is kind of giving him advice and telling him, you know, this is, this is what being Batman's all about kid. And I, I thought their back and forth was really strong. Yeah, there, there was some good, it's that pseudo coming of age type, like he even mentions, you know, Oh, now, now you're, now you're talking like Batman. I think you mentioned that line before. Yeah. Now you sound like Batman. Um, so yeah, there was, there was some growth between the two of them and then <laughs> the best is when, when Bruce is like, she, uh, Terry mentions to Bruce that he, that Max is asking to get more involved. And first of all, Bruce no sells it. Like he's like the girl. He doesn't even call her like, <laughs> like Max is like the girl. He goes, absolutely not. And Terry's like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, no, like, so there's some good back and forth between them there. Yeah. I thought their interactions were, were really, really strong. Yeah. Bruce sort of joking with him about like, Oh, you're asking me for, for advice when it comes to women. I thought that was uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty funny as well. So that was good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think I think Chris Summer does a good job. Like we said, I think the 
the script, the plot kind of lets 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 the whole <laughs> lets the whole episode down. But I thought she and and Wilfred L and and their back and forth over the, you know when they're arguing with each other over her wanting to be more involved, and then later in the episode once she's been in the machine and is trying to get back to it, I, I thought she she does a good job. So. Uh, yeah, I, I gave voice acting a, a pretty strong eight out of ten because uh, I don't I don't think anyone's like all time great in this episode, but everyone in the episode is I think uh, pretty darn good. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's um, I think it's pretty good. Also, I I also gave it a uh, eight out of ten. <laughs> uh, go figure. Um, but yeah, I I think there's some good some good acting all the way around. Um, question is this the last this isn't the last spellbinder episode is it no there's at least one more i know of okay I can remember all right so at, at least this isn't his final performance because you're right i i like the voice effect thing that they put on him and he he comes across as a as certainly um man like just what a creepy guy like wasn't his motivation in the first episode he just he felt like he didn't make enough money and he listened to too many people's problems he was like a guidance counselor right and now now he's evolved into this guy who uh, like his motivation is to to use kids to get money like to screw kids up to get like he's what does the reporter call him the psycho psychologist at the the end or something like that it's like, oh, they coined a coined a cool nickname for him. That's yeah. how you know you've made it to Gotham villainy when you have a <laughs> when you have a cool cool nickname with alliteration, no doubt. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So, yeah, uh, eight out of ten. Which uh, I guess, Liam, we will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode, totaling everything up. I have a twenty nine out of forty. What about you? Yeah, and uh, maybe not surprisingly, I'm in the same ballpark here i have a final score of 28 out of 40 ah what do you know about that <laughs> all right well again we're talking we... about rewatchability here um uh, it's tough what I was... again i i don't i don't we don't hate this i think we tried to make it clear we didn't hate this episode yeah i definitely think there was a kind of a missed opportunity to not go a little deeper with some of the stuff about addiction and sort of, you know, human contact and isolation and things like that. But right. again, sometimes that's just the constraints of a 22 minute children's cartoon. And, uh, but all, all that being said, I, I, I doesn't feel like a must watch. Like we said, it does sort of plant some seeds for, for Max wanting to get more involved in, in the Batman side of, of Terry's life beyond just sort of being the friend that helps him cover with his, with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I mean, this is obviously going to be followed up on in, in much greater detail uh, later in the series. So I would say this is a, this is a skip. Like I said, it's, it's not a, not a, ter- it's not a, it's not a, an avoid at all costs or anything, but I, I right. don't feel like this is one you got to watch. Uh, I concur. I would say the only reason I would recommend watching this is a, if you want more depth into your max, you know, fleshing out the Max character. Um, or if you want to watch every Spellbinder episode, otherwise uh, you can skip it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. All right. 
Well, William, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Before we go and start doing our normal wrap-up, Liam, why don't we talk about, I think you've already announced it on Twitter, but why don't you talk about, just in case people haven't followed us on Twitter yet, uh, what are we covering for the month of February? Yeah, uh, starting next week and for the entire month, we are heading back to the OG, heading back to original Gotham City, Nice. And uh, picking up where we left off with Batman, the animated series. And we'll be kicking it off, uh, like we said, picking up where we left off with the episode Cat Scratch Fever next week. Oh, boy. And that means <laughs> uh, Moon of the Wolf isn't too far off. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's going to be interesting. We've got some, got some interesting ones coming up here. Uh, to deal with in the month of February. And then we have already discussed, we are not not ready to quite reveal it just yet, uh, but we've already discussed what we're going to do for March, and we're super excited about that. And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're super excited. Don't forget, follow Liam. Uh, you would have known already, if you didn't, that we were covering Batman the Anime Series. If you follow Liam at DCAU Review on Twitter, uh, we love discussing fan theories and art and uh even the new controversial mcfarlane dc multiverse figures all of that we've been discussing all that over on twitter so make sure you give liam a follow he does a great job of running our page there you can also follow us on instagram at dcau review we post uh certainly some clips upcoming clips from uh future episodes we have um you know our throwback thursday slash flashback friday section on there where we'll post some older episodes uh previews for for more episodes lots of other stuff on there as well so give us a follow on there if you will uh we would certainly appreciate that and don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app we feature on google podcasts Apple Podcasts, and of course Spotify, but you can probably find us on your favorite podcast app if you use another one as well. Just search for DCAU Review. Go ahead, subscribe, like us, and if you can, leave us a, a review. That helps us out immensely. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to chatting with people about this episode, about what we're reviewing next month, and, uh, and beyond, so stay tuned. Pun intended there, and beyond. Ha-ha. Got him. All right. <laughs> uh, well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU. Adios.